0: This episode of the Disney Film Project Podcast is brought to you by TouringPlans.com. It is the one-stop shop on the internet for figuring out how you are going to plan your Disney vacation. Disneyland or Disney World, it doesn't matter. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you want to figure out how to get there and not wait in line... This is how you do it, touringplans.com. At Disneyland, you're trying to figure out how to get out there and how to navigate all the cool new stuff like Cars Land and Buena Vista Street and all that great stuff without having to wait in line, touringplans.com. You can optimize your touring plans, check the crowd calendar, do all kinds of great stuff. Make sure you check that out over at touringplans.com. They're the sponsor of this week's episode of the Disney Film Project Podcast. (laughs) Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company, Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, Disney Toon Studios, anything and everything released by the Walt Disney Pictures and Walt Disney Corporation. We talk about it here on this program and over at DisneyFilmProject.com. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program, and along with the folks you're about to meet, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find the show notes for this very podcast. You can find Blu-ray and DVD reviews, the latest news around Disney films, and you can find reviews dating all the way back to films of the 1920s. So make sure you go and check out all the amazing content that is there over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me, as always, are fine film experts. First of all, the man whose glass slipper has always fit, Mr. Todd Perlmutter. Yes, though it really hurts my ankles it It would seem that way. I don't know if I'm buying the comfort angle argued in the film, but we we'll, we'll, we can <laughs> talk about that uh and as always, from all sites around the internet, we have miss Rachel Cole. How are you, Rachel?
1: I'm doing well, and I really want both of the dresses that Lily James wears in this movie that big blue one and the uh the wedding dress. those are both just gorgeous oh and basically everything Kate. Blanchett wears in this movie, too. I'll, I'll take that as well. Okay. Uh,
0: we will mark that down for your shopping list. <laughs> and, of course, our fine producer, the one who keeps us running and keeps things going on time and on schedule and on budget, which we don't have one, but if we did, she would manage it well. Uh, that would be Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find on Twitter, at Cheryl P3. How are you, Cheryl?
2: Good. Um Rachel. I saw some little girls wearing, wearing like, dresses. I Maybe mean, you could, um, you know, ask Disney to figure out how the budget, how they can make it in adult sizes.
1: <laughs> yes, so I'll have to make some inquiries.
0: There you go. All right, so as you can imagine, we are discussing Cinderella, the recent live-action... I, I don't know if you'd call this a re- remake, reimagining, of the uh, the story that Disney told in 1950 in an animated film. It's not really... It's it's Cinderella, and it has simil- a lot of similarities to the to the animated version, but it also has a lot of differences. So it's more taking the fairy tale and retelling it, I would say.
3: Yeah, it also shortens a lot of things and lengthens a lot of other things.
0: Yeah. I would say, like, for me, walking out of this, the key difference between this and the animated film is that this focuses a lot more on the backstory of of how Cinderella got to where she was at the beginning of the animated movie. Whereas yes. the animated film just starts with her scrubbing the floors and goes from there. This is pr- That's probably the last 45 minutes of this film.
3: Um, yeah, it, it is weird. Like, the shift is very late in the game for the movie. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, which whereas, like. What we're talking about is that in the in animated there's like a 3 or 4 minute opening narration that discusses everything that takes about 30 minutes in this movie.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested on seeing it that seeing the approach to this and looking forward to it now that Disney seems to be putting one of these out every March. Um, we know they're doing Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson as Belle. I wonder if they're going to take that stained glass, you know, imagery from the beginning of Beauty and the Beast and make that 30 minutes of the movie.
3: They could do that. They could talk about how Belle's parents died, something, you know, along those yeah. lines, right? I wonder
2: if they're going to film and be our guest restaurant at Disney. I don't know.
3: I just want to say that movie is being released on mine and Charles' 20th wedding anniversary.
1: Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. We'll see.
3: Are we not going to make it to 20 years?
2: <laughs> no, maybe. Don't know. I not I going to be awesome. The movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I was talking yeah. about the movie. Maybe i be awesome.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> you had Todd sweating there for a second, Cheryl.
1: Well, I was going to say, considering the cast for that one, I'm I'm feeling pretty hopeful. We've got, we've got Emma Thompson, we've got uh, Matthew Lewis, I believe is his name from Downton Abbey, um, yep. and and of course Kevin Kline playing Maurice, which just makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it should be it should be a good one. But, you know, big pillow belly. Yeah. It's part of this trend that Disney got on after uh, the, Alice, the Tim Burton, Alice in Wonderland movie, where they're remaking these fairy tales. I right. I have to say, in general, I don't really like this trend. Cause I'm leery used, about it. Yeah, well, it used to be, you know, they would re-release... The animated films into theaters about every seven or eight years, right? They would they would come back around with them and put them out in the theaters. Now it seems they would rather spend a hundred million dollars and make a live action version of it, which is it's weird. They spent weird. a lot
3: more on Alice in Wonderland though than they did on this movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, they had a, I, a,
0: a more of a star cast on that one too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This this one, it's a lot of uh, uh, Baranos. Like right. regulars, the ones that he has in like all of his Shakespeare adaptations,
3: right? Yeah. And the reason why uh, this trend got greenlit was because the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland movie, as we I believe we've discussed in the past, uh, made a billion plus dollars. So
0: right, yeah, <laughs> it was it was a huge movie, and it kicked off this whole thing. And now Sean Bailey, who's the head of development for Disney, has said like he wants the Disney brand to stand for fairy tales. You know, he wants Disney to make fairy tales basically uh and and like he counts tomorrowland the movie that's coming out in may even though it's a sci-fi he counts that as a fairy tale you know like even tron he counts that like he's, that's what he wants disney to stand for fantasy uh and that's the kind of di- the movies that that they're going to make um which i don't necessarily disagree with when you apply that broad version to it i just have an issue with remaking stories that they've already told and told well yeah it's,
3: I, it's- I think this was okay though I mean, for what it was, here, here's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I kind of precursored everybody that I'm not a huge fan of this movie, so that'll reflect later, though. But here's the thing. This movie is gorgeous to look at, Cinderella. It is really well-written. It is actually really well-acted for the most part. And it's just – it flows well. It's not it, – it's a decent movie. It's just my reasons for not liking it are – what I'll say for the end, and plus it yeah. comes up in the middle. So, right. Um, but it there, it's a win already because it's been at what two and a half weeks, and it's already made a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we're guessing you're guessing worldwide at least four hundred million, probably um, before it ends up coming out of the box office. And like we said, on a budget of around hundred million. Uh, and and you're right. Like that's exactly kind of where I was going with that. Todd is like, I don't like this trend very much, if at all of remaking these fairy tales but if you're gonna do it to me this is the way you do it you you tell an honest earnest story that is still a fairy tale you don't have to put a dark spin on it you don't have to you know come up with some new twist on the fairy tale or or anything like that if it's a if it's a timeless story it's timeless for a reason and you just do it and you do it well and that's what i feel like kenneth branagh did this is I I walked out of the theater telling my wife, I think this is my favorite Kenneth Branagh movie.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to say Kate Blanchett kind of touched on that as well. She said, um, you know, because Branagh does a lot of Shakespeare, which are mainly stories that people have heard a million times. But she said the best uh, versions of those actually make you think, well, maybe this person won't make that bad decision. Or maybe this person will finally do the right thing, even though you know how it turns out. Right. And I think, I think that's really the movie's strength, is that even though everyone knows the Cinderella story, you don't quite know how they're going to get to the end.
3: Yeah, well, everyone thinks they know the Cinderella story. Let's, let's face that for a second.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, they know the Disney movie. Yes. That's,
3: that, yes. that's right. Yep. I mean, um, you know, really, the, the quick history of the Cinderella story is that it goes back to Greek mythology, where there's a story – about a lady whose sandals are stolen by an eagle who drops them on the far side of the desert as she has to cross the desert, and how a king, not a prince, finds them and realizes that they belong to the woman he's meant to marry, and he goes on a quest for her. That's where the story originally comes from. It's adapted numerous times, right? Uh, It became the grim fairy tale known as Ashenputal. Right, you got to say it just like that. Trust me, <laughs> if those Weimar Republic courses, so you got to say it just like that. Um, and then uh, the one that Disney uh, based their animated film on was uh, *Cendrillon*, which is a Charles Perrault novel from 1697. Uh, *Cendrillon* literally means little ash girl. So when they, everybody got really excited that they were going to define where the name Cinderella come, came from, um, it actually already came from *Cendrillon* because that's where they get Cinderella, because little ash girl and Ella is little girl, and Cinder is Ash. So, that's where the American name comes from. The English name, I should say. So, um, and um, the important difference is is that it was not until Cendrion that the godmother, the fairy godmother, the pumpkin coach, and the glass slippers were introduced. So, so basically, the story existed for more than a thousand years before it had that stuff added. So,
1: yeah, and also, I don't know which iteration it was, but at least in one of the versions, um, it's actually more than one night. Like, it's more than just the one uh, ball. Like, there's uh, several well, nights of the- it, which... <laughs> but, well, yes. <laughs> but but that is taken from another another version of the story.
3: Yeah, oh, that's place- right. <laughs> the Grimm fairy tale is not... is is probably the, actually the most well-known one of, outside of Disney, by the way. But everyone always says Cinderella, and honestly... I don't think I've ever met anyone who's read that book. <laughs> and, and if you have, please let me know. But I'm, I, have, I do know a lot of people who have read The Grim Fairy Tale, and that's what most people outside of the Disney movie are familiar with.
1: And also the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical,
3: oh, which has yes. been yes. done a
1: million and one times. Oh, yeah. Um, and was just recently on Broadway um, a couple of years back, So which also had some extensive rewrites to it to update the story, um, similar to what they did here. Um, Though the changes that they made in that were very different from the changes made here.
3: Indeed. Hey, I had an idea before we go before we go forward talking more about Cinderella. Do we want to sidestep and talk about the Frozen Fever
0: short? Uh, we should actually. We should, and I was I was going to say we should start with uh, when we review with uh, Frozen Fever, which debuted in front of this, which Todd I will say has been saying for months now. Uh, that they, they they were not pleased with Cinderella because they were putting this frozen short in front of it to prop up the box office. If they did, it worked. I agree. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if that's I, what they were actually doing, but it worked. I yeah. was
1: going to say, if you go back to our episode looking at this year, I did predict that I thought this movie would do well at the box office. So just <laughs> taking a moment to brag there, I was right. <laughs>
3: It was pretty much given as a Disney movie that it was going to do well. I mean, Disney knows how to tease movies and get people into the theater. That's one thing that they're really good at. Even for a so-so movie, they're good at getting people into the theater to see it, right? Uh, And and that's
0: not what I'm saying about this. They can be. They can can be. be.
3: Late, recently, in recent years, I shouldn't say like all throughout time.
0: I was
1: going to say the. I remember the Frozen and Tangled uh, previews not being all that great. Or at least not all that interesting to me.
0: But yet the box office was good, so they know something we don't.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh but yeah, talk about let's talk about Frozen Fever real quick before we get into the main plot of, of Cinderella. So that opened with this nationwide. It's the first time that we have seen the characters from Frozen since the uh the animated film came out. Unless and you was...
2: watch Once Upon a Time.
0: I said animated characters. Okay.
2: sorry i missed the clarification there yeah uh
0: and so this is this is the first time that we've had you know Kristen bell adina menzel they had the entire voice cast back uh to do this short uh, a new song written by the original songwriters directed by the original direct directing team i mean it's the whole team uh coming back from the original movie which i don't recall when they did the tangled short where flynn and rapunzel got married if it was the same exact cast or not i Something said to me that it wasn't. I, only three people
3: talk in the in that short. It's uh, the priest and the two of them getting yeah. married. Okay, and, right? Because otherwise, that short's all about Maximus. <laughs> yeah, right, right.
0: It's <laughs> um, and, and so I, I went into this with very very low expectations. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I loved Frozen, and I think you. If you guys listen to the show, listeners, uh, you know that I loved it, and most most of us really liked it. Um, I think since then, obviously, we've had uh, a little bit of a frozen overload, to say the least.
2: Especially Mm -hmm. for those of us who live in the central Florida area. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) Um, I haven't had it quite as bad, because despite the fact that my daughter loves it, she doesn't make me watch it all the time, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But I still went in with low expectations, because I felt like, the story that they needed to tell was done. And so I didn't know where they would go with it that would make it funny or interesting. But I thought the, the approach they took with Frozen Fever, which is basically that it's Anna's birthday and Elsa is trying to make up for all the harm that she's done to Anna over the years by giving her a perfect birthday. It's the perfect setup for a short cartoon, Like, they didn't try to make a story out of it. They just made a seven-minute cartoon just like you would have back in the 30s, you know, back with the Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck cartoons. And they took that approach with it, which I thought was really smart and unexpected. I did not expect it to be along those lines, and I really liked it.
1: I completely agree.
3: Yeah, (laughs) it's
0: it's very enjoyable.
3: I would just say, for people who haven't seen it, it's actually more a seven-minute music video. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Than anything else, because basically they are singing the entire time. Except for a little setup in the beginning and a little teeny bit at the end.
0: Yeah. And it's singing in that Broadway musical type way, right? Like, so they're singing and then they're talking in the middle of the song. And, you know, it's advancing the story of what's happening, which, like I said, it's basically that Anna's birthday and uh, Elsa has set up this string that's kind of trailing through the entire kingdom. And the string, they're following the string to, like, all these different presents that Elsa has made for her. Uh, but Elsa has a cold, and so, she, which is really funny when you think about it, uh, because the cold did bother her. And she's walking and chasing the string and sneezing out these little snow goblins, which is hilarious.
3: Yeah. Their, their <laughs> official name, by the way, is Snow I'm
0: not sure if you knew that. I, I did, and I was trying to avoid it. I'm not going <laughs> to lie.
3: Well, here's what happened, is they didn't want to overshadow Olaf, because the original name was mini Olafs, mm-hmm. and they looked slightly different, but they kind of toned them down a little bit and gave them their own name so that Olaf would still just be Olaf.
0: Well, let me tell you, they're going to sell a lot of little plush snow guys. Uh, yes, they are. I'm surprised they haven't seen <laughs> them yet, actually.
2: they can going to be some thumbs. Oh, oh mouse, probably. mouse
3: toys. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, so my only real problem with this honestly is just that it's it they change her magical ability a little bit in this.
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. They they're a little little fast and loose with the powers.
3: Yeah, cuz she has the ability to make now summer clothes in and different colors other than icy type colors. I I had a problem with that, but other than that it's not too big an issue.
0: I think I think she's actually telekinetic and she's rearranging molecules. She just manifests it in the form of ice. That's my theory. She's really the Scarlet Witch of Arendelle. It could be. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what it, you know, Rachel, you said you agreed. I mean, you, you really liked it too?
1: Yeah, I thought it was really adorable. It actually kind of exceeded my expectations. And I liked the fact that the title itself is kind of a play on how, much Frozen kind of took over America and especially took over the Disney parks for the past few years. Um, The fact that it's, I thought, I was like, oh, it's named Frozen Fever because everyone's all about Frozen. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, no, it's because she's sick.
0: Well, and I think, like, what something you just said unintentionally kind of gets to that point. You said has taken over the parks the last few years. It's been 15 months since that movie came out.
1: Oh my gosh! How is that possible? <laughs> right, it feels it like it's been long.
0: <laughs> it feels like it's been three years, right? But, <laughs> but that's the thing is like there's been so much Frozen since then, um, but there's not been the, it, it, and that's why I'm I, I was leery of it is like there hasn't been the original you know real content that came out from the from the film, and so I thought you know how are they going to capture that again and it just seems like there's some sort of energy among that cast and that directing team and story team and the songwriting team that like i was I, before i went to see this i think they had announced that frozen 2 was coming and i'm pretty leery of that again because i think the story had already been told but seeing this i was like i would totally like that if it's if it's as good as the first one and it's as good as this i'm i'm in
1: Yeah, and actually that might be – okay, so before the movie came – before Frozen uh, Fever came out, um, they also announced that Frozen would be coming to Broadway. There There was an announcement about this that it would be coming to Broadway with Alex Timbers directing, which I think that what you said right there about the cast specifically having the right energy and the right chemistry amongst them, that it would work. I don't know if that's going to work when you put that on stage, and probably like you're not going to be casting Adina Menzel and Kristen Bell in these roles. You're going to be getting right working Broadway actors here in New York.
3: You could cast Adina um, Menzel.
1: <laughs> she is a working <laughs> Broadway actor. Yeah. Yeah, she. J- I was going to say she just finished up her run in If Then. I think she's going to be taking a little bit of a, probably a little bit of a breather here. But, um, but I don't expect that they'll probably that they'll be casting that exact group of people in it right so i wonder if that's going to be as successful but then again it's also alex timbers who if you google him is an amazing brilliant stage director and uh, could do really good things
3: i i would say considering that the stage adaptions have done okay overall i don't think it'll be that big a problem like it'll get sold and if it's not doing well they'll keep it there for like a year and then they'll pull it
0: I I think it's going to make a ton of money. It's just because of families going to see it. Like I think bottom line, I think, I think the base material is good enough that if you get, if you get the right caliber of actors, they'll they'll be okay. But we'll see. All right. All right, uh, so we will we will give ratings on Frozen Fever at the end when we give ratings for Cinderella. So we mentioned already, it's directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring uh, Lily James as the title character, uh, more more often referred to in this one as Ella. Uh, Rachel mentioned oh. Kate Blanchett as Lady Tremaine, uh, probably the biggest star other than uh, than her, or the one people know the most. Uh, Depending on the audience, our audience probably knows Haley Atwell, who stars as Cinderella's mother, more so than (laughs) uh, than Richard Madden, who stars as the prince. Uh, Richard Madden, who played uh, Rob Stark on Game of Thrones. Yes. Which which led to many great jokes amongst my wife and I in the theater uh, where he's talking about uh, where he's he's being denied the chance to to marry Cinderella. And one or (laughs) one or both of us would lean over and say, I mean, let the guy have his wife because he's been out chasing Lannisters all week. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, That's a-
1: and also because the downfall of that character in the show is that he did marry for love.
0: It's true. It's a good point. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Now you did just touch on it, but let's just let's just get it out of the way. Our Marvel yes.
0: connections. Uh, Haley Atwell. Yes. A- Agent Peggy Agent- Carter. Yes, right. Which which by the way tweeted ABC. Write letters and tell them to renew that show, please. If you would
3: yes she did and she did it from like like apparently she has a country-based account i thought that was kind of weird yeah like she has like multiple accounts but i guess some some famous people do uh obviously kenneth branagh who directed thor
0: yes my second favorite kenneth branagh movie (laughs) at this (laughs)
3: point also stellan skarsgård is in this
0: he is yes he yes. is uh, he is who is also in thor and avengers um, and thor the dark world yeah yes, yes. and right. i think
1: he's wearing more clothes in this movie than he is in any of those other movies
0: i would the, agree with uh, that probably correct
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also i wanted to say one you may have missed is uh patrick doyle who does the scores for this movie also did the scores for thor yeah he, he frequently works with kenneth branagh so that's he did. right he does a Kenneth Branagh basically is. takes him everywhere. So, yeah. he, also, he also did Hamlet, right, and something else. He
0: did he did Hamlet, and I think he's done another Shakespeare uh, with with Branagh. And, and Doyle's also did Brave for Disney. So yes, yes, yeah. And, and stopping for a second to talk about Branagh, when they announced that he was doing this, I was sort of a meh. You know what I mean? Like because I thought Thor was really was a good movie, but I thought more because of the Marvel style than because of him. And I got a little tired of the, you know, the point of view, the, the angled point of view in Thor. And so I thought, you know, this will be fine, but I hadn't thought of what you brought up earlier, Rachel, of like when he did all those Shakespeare movies, I love those. I thought those were really good. And him adapting a known story like this, I didn't put two and two together like that. And I think. His direction in this and the shots that he chose to take, like you mentioned earlier, Todd, it's beautiful. I mean, the whole movie is just gorgeous. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, I was gonna say this this movie is definitely filmed in the style of old Hollywood. Like, especially when you oh, yeah. look at the way that they introduce Kate Blanchett's character and those first few shots of her walking into the house. That's like something straight out of like gone with the wind. It's yes, yes
3: something yeah. I said to a friend after watching this is that this, this movie, the way it's filmed and the way it's shot and the use of cinematography in this proves that you just don't need 3D this, this movie yep. d- does yep. everything that 3D could possibly do without being
0: 3D you know, you know what else? you don't need CG as much as they rely on it in some of these these fairy tales you know what oh, I mean? There, because... there
3: are a fair number of uh, blue screens in this
0: yeah, oh absolutely yeah. But I'm talking about, you know, the fact that most of this was shot on practical sets, right? Sure. Like the houses, yep. things like that, that, you know, when you look at something like, like we talked about Maleficent was in this slot last year, right? This, that was the movie that came out. Well, I guess it came out in May, but it's same, same idea, right? The, the fairy tale slot for Disney. And there were the the CG in that movie was gorgeous, but completely unnecessary, it didn't add anything to the storytelling, whereas I thought the practicality of this actually added to the storytelling because you felt like this was a world that was lived in. Like, you could relate to this Cinderella. Like, I could, I could understand what this Cinderella was going through better than the animated version or better than any of the Rodgers and Hammerstein's version. I thought the way that they put her in a real, and I use that term loosely, world was magnificent.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to argue there. I mean, like I said, it, I have issues overall with the actress in this role. I just don't think she would fit for it. That's that's. I mean, look, I know there's a lot of people screwing at me and calling me an idiot right now. And that's okay. Yes. You're allowed <laughs> yeah. to. That's fine. All right. Everybody out there, just get it out. Be cathartic with it and move on. Um, no, I, I had a problem because I feel like there's a certain regal grace that's in – the animated character that is not in Lily James playing this character, and she doesn't. She sure she can be Cinderella all day long, but she doesn't feel like a princess. But I guess that's okay. I guess Cinderella technically is not a princess until she's until she's married, and then she's actually a queen. So
0: because yeah, she's not of right. royal yeah. blood, so which they make a huge point of in this movie. Uh, yes, it is a big point in the movie. Something
2: I wanted to discuss before we go too far. Um, considering um, the the Prince um, Richard Bannon, and this is for kids. If you're under eighteen, let's like go fast forward for like thirty seconds. Um, apparently, there were problems regarding his private parts showing too much, and there had to be adjustments made.
0: I can I can <laughs> believe that because watching the movie, I was like, oh, okay.
2: And so.
3: Well, well, let's let's talk about the costume for a second, because because Sandy Powell is the costume designer, right? And she is a three-time Oscar winner for for costume design. She so she is very well known.
1: And she had better win this next year for the Oscars because her work in this movie is amazing. Uh,
3: it's crazy good, actually. That's one of the things I like. Is, is visually the costumes enhance the sets that they were on, and just on and on and on, like. Um, but anyway, let's let's just get back to it She picked a 19th century look and feel for the movie that she pitched to Brana. Brana didn't set that, she did. Right. Okay? And when she set that, what she wanted to do was, with, with Madden, she went with this um, very tight-fitting, constant look and feel with with what she referred to as very muted tones and, and few layers, as opposed to most of the other costumes have lots of layers in the film. His actually have less and the colors are always designed to enhance his eyes, because, as we were talking about Game of Thrones earlier, is if you read anything about him, everybody refers to all the women there refer to his eyes oh yeah yeah <laughs> so <laughs> so that's that's a big thing it's his eyes and so but because of that very fitted look, that was where that problem
0: that we were discussing comes from so yeah it's it's just a it, it's one of those movies that probably shouldn 't shouldn't work. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you go through and you say, you know, we're going to do a remake of, a mo- of an animated movie into live action, and we're not going to have a lot of big stars in it, and we're going to have a director who's probably best known for doing Shakespeare, and, you know, we're, we're not going to do a lot of CG, we're going to do a lot of practical effects, and, like, it's pretty much the antithesis of what you would expect from Hollywood filmmaking these days. And I say that not only in the package that they put together, but in the actual film they put out. Like, there's, not, there's no irony There's no, like, dark comedy. There's no, you know, there's no winking at the camera. There's no, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, jokes at someone's expense. It's just a straightforward, earnest fairy tale, which, I'll be honest, I didn't think we could do that and be successful these days.
3: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's just, it's smart Set up people going, knowing the story and just wanting to see how the story is retold. And I think that that's the win is people like to read a book more than once if they really like the book. Right. And most people who have seen or read any version of Cinderella like it enough to go see or read another one. That's it's just one of those stories that carries well.
0: Yeah. Well, every every little girl wants to be Cinderella. I, at least I think so, right? Like, when, when I know my little girl does. I know all her friends do. You know, like, they want to be plucked from obscurity and become a princess. And even even guys, like, we can relate to that. Like, you know, that ideal of, you know, being the guy who's scrubbing the floor one day and being the prince the next day, it, it's just, there's something about that that just appeals to everybody, right? You just, you want to be discovered.
1: Yeah. Well, like, they call it a Cinderella story for a reason, like yeah. as as far as referring to, like, especially in sports, the notion of the Cinderella man and all that. Um, yeah, it is. it's very much a universal thing, that everyone wants to go about their life and do everything right and be a good person and that good things will come to them. And right. that's essentially what the message of Cinderella is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, just to, to dive into, I mean, we won't go through the entire story of this movie, because if you've seen a version of Cinderella, you've like there's no surprises here, which is the thing that I think is the most interesting, is that like you know exactly what's going to happen. Throughout the entirety of the film, you know exactly what's going to happen. And yet, at no point in the movie was I like bored or... Like, okay, get on with it. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't a time in the movie where I felt like it lagged. I didn't feel like this is, you know, we've talked about in some of the other films that we've done, how, you know, they could have cut that 30 minutes out and it would have been a way better movie. Like, I didn't feel that way here. I felt like everything was very tight. um, And when they needed to, they let things breathe. Like, the beginning where they expound upon Ella, um, who's played by Lily James, and her family her father and her mother, who's played by Hayley Atwell, her father's played by Ben Chaplin, uh, and how they live on this, sort of their idyllic life on this country estate, right? Where she befriends all the animals and her and her father have this tradition of when he goes away and she hugs him and comes back and her and her mother get along so well. And like, they just build out that whole family life so that the tragedy of losing her her mother and then eventually her father as she does in every version of this you feel that right because when haley atwell's dying and she says to her you know that she wants her to always have courage and be kind like you know that's going to be the theme for the whole movie but it's not it's not a problem that it's predictable if that makes sense, right? It's just you're like, "Okay, I like that because I've never heard that particular phrasing in any version of Cinderella and I really liked it."
1: Yes. They do say it a lot in this movie.
0: It comes they do. back around a lot. over and over and over again. But, you know, like one of the things that's been that's been asked um one of the things that they've they've said about the film is like this isn't a progressive film like, like frozen for example right where, you, where you're flipping the whole true love thing on its ear and that sort of thing and i think this is the way they did they did sort of update it for today is they showed cinderella in my mind not as a weakling who eventually was rewarded for not fighting or whatever they showed her as someone who was who had a very strong resolve You know what I mean? Like the current saying courage, her not fighting against her step sisters and her stepmother was a show of strength rather than weakness.
1: Yeah. Especially um, not to spoil anything, but the last scene with her and lady Tremaine, just the strength of what she does in that moment and the decision that she makes moving forward and what she, what she, her last words are to lady Tremaine are just really powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought that... I think that that one change to the story, which is pretty much the only thing that's changed, is adding that line about have courage and be kind, sort of helped change Cinderella. And I think Lily James acting, which I know Todd disagrees with, uh, helped get that across, right? Like she... You could almost see her at times sort of holding things in or, you know, like her muscles twitching to hold back from doing things. And it wasn't a case of where she's going, I want to hit somebody, you know, like she's not telegraphing it, but you could see like, I, you know, there, there was that frustration in her eyes and that sort of fire, uh, to where she would want to do something, but she would remember that and, and calm herself. Like I, I saw it a couple times in the movie. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I just felt she was too wound up. And as a result, not, not, as fun as they could have made the character be just a little bit more fun.
1: Yeah. I will say I, I think that was a definite acting choice because if you see her on uh, the actress on Downton Abbey, I mean on that show she's kind of – she's the rebellious flapper cousin. She's mm-hmm. very much the fun one that goes out to to the clubs and go, wants to go dancing all night. That's right. Well, her
3: and weird. the stepsister have the opposite roles in Downton Abbey, right?
1: Yeah, some, somewhat yes. I uh, <laughs> I was going to say the actress who plays Daisy in Downton and in this one she plays uh Drizella, I believe. Um uh she's kind of a doofus in both shows, but just a doofus in different ways. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's fair. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. She just, it just hap- it just happens to be that on Downton she works as um like down in the kitchens as opposed to you know, being the one that's served, so
3: right. That's that's more what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: that's about the extent to which I know the show. The
0: rest of the stuff you just <laughs> went way deeper than I know that show. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have not watched it, but uh, I, I intend to. It's on. It's on the list. I have a list of shows to binge. Uh, but regardless, you know, I think the addition of showing Cinderella's mother and her death in this. Uh, is, is a good one. And then showing her father's grief over that, like there's a, there's a period where they show her and her father together without their mother and what that did to him. And it's not long, it's only a few minutes, but it still gets the point across so that when Lady Tremaine shows up, you see that, you know, no, he wasn't entirely happy and you understand why he would do this. Right, like why he would bring this woman into his house? Because that's always been my problem with the, you know, with the Disney versions or any of the other versions. Is why? Why in the world would Lady Tremaine ever, ever get the eye of this man? Because she's kind of ugly and she's kind of horrible. I don't and, know. She's not really ugly in this film. No, no, no. That's what I mean. In the other versions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In this
1: one, she's kind of a party girl. She's basically the exact opposite type of person that he was married to before, and that probably right. was interesting to him, intriguing. So,
3: what, like one of my favorite moments? <laughs> you just remind me of when you said that because like the whole French thing came up in my head, and this that moment where she responds to her in French, and then she, and then the I think it's. Rozella asks the other one, "What did she say?" She goes, "I don't. I, she, I, I don't speak French, not Italian, or whatever." She says. Yeah, it's hysterical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the stepsisters are are great in this, in that, you know, in in the Disney one, they're played off for comic relief. Uh, the the animated version, I should say, and in this, they are as well, but they are kept to a minimum. You know what I mean? There's not. They don't overshadow. Whereas. In it, I feel like in the animated version, they kind of do. Hmm. Okay. Um, but but so uh, uh, the story goes on, as you well know. Lady Tremaine shows up after her father, you know, marries her father. Her father goes off on a business trip uh, and ends up dying on the trip. And I thought the 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 addition here of having him you know the the stepsisters ask for like lace and parasols and things like that and cinderella or ella asks for just the the first branch that brushes your shoulder you know just that simple little thing like it's almost hokey but it's sort of endearing as well in that she she's it, it it walks a fine line of her being a very simple character and her being an earnest character and I think ninety percent of the time for me she was just being earnest the 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 brush branching the branch that brushes your shoulder rather I think that was like right on that line for me where i, was like, I couldn't make up my mind as to what it was. I get the idea of of showing the difference, but it was i don't know it was a little. Too over, too overt, maybe. I don't know. What did you guys think?
3: I, I think they were going a little overboard on the the strength of the love of her and her father.
1: It was it was a little bit corny, but overall, I was actually okay with their relationship. I thought I thought that you know when when he actually does die in it. It was actually a very emotional moment. Yeah. I thought it was yeah, sad for sure. to have that
2: moment off screen.
0: Oh, of him dying you mean? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um I also I also wanted to say I really didn't get that big of an impact as well because um they never showed the marriage between him and him and Lady Germaine. And so yeah, that she just was little bit to me.
3: Yeah, they do of like a three month later kind of thing. <laughs>
2: they, yeah, they show her. They show her at of the They and that's it. You know, they don't really, you know, discuss much. You know,
0: right? No, of a It's bit of a little bit I a little bit of a little bit of a I bit of a little bit of of a with you that the, the, it wasn't 100%, Was a like, a was showing how lady Tremaine was invading the home. You know what I mean? Like, but they could have showed the wedding in the backyard or something like that, you know, that, that would have gotten that point across. I, I I agree with that. But I think that the, the goal was, and, and they show it, uh, in the things that she does is that she's invading and remaking the home because, you know, she she starts changing rooms around that uh, that Ella's mother had had a certain way, or that her father had had, uh, and you know she gets jealous anytime the uh, the mother's brought up and things like that. So that when he dies, I mean, she just basically remakes the entire place.
3: Well, she says she also goes, "We're ruined." That's like she doesn't care that he died. She doesn't care about that. She's like, "We're ruined." Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, her whole reaction is basically like, we're not going to have any money now, and what are we going to do? And, you know, then, then that's where the, like, the familiar fairy tale starts, and she sort of phases it in to where she has Ella move out of her room and up to the attic, and she makes her do all the work, and she won't let her eat with the family, and she does all these sorts of things uh, where it's, it's probably phased in over about, like, a five- or ten-minute period of the film to where you go, okay, this is where, like, this is where the animated film starts yeah
1: honestly the the scene where um where lady tremaine talks to her about you know oh the the girls they've been fighting so much and um when she offers to give up her room um i don't remember who said it recently but um the whole thing of the extent that women will go to to avoid appearing rude yes yeah. <laughs> like that's that's kind of Cinderella in a nutshell. She's just trying to be so accommodating because she she figures that they must be hurting in the same way that she is and so she's willing to put up with a lot.
3: <laughs> but she learns really quickly that she's like she's lost the battle and she she kind of yeah. loses the will to to fight right like she, you, we're talking yeah. about the the be courageous be kind thing but really like you're saying she's holding back and i think she just lost all will at some point in there yeah
1: she's just done yeah well it's it's much more framed here like emotional abuse like yeah. that her her stepmother is an abusive person like she's not just you know like making her do all the housework and everything but she is wearing her down and making her feel like she is she doesn't belong there that she is that she doesn't have a family anymore. She doesn't have people that care for her.
2: Yeah, right. the only reason she's staying is to help the house. She says that.
1: Yeah. The only reason she
2: wants to say is she has a connection with the house. She doesn't care. I mean she would like I have a feeling that she would be out there tomorrow if she didn't care about the Yeah. You know, yeah. Care about the house so much.
0: Right. Yeah, well, that's that's her last connection, right? Like that's her that's the last thing that she has with, of her of her actual family, not the uh, the Tremaines, of course. Yeah, and so yeah, one one night she sleeps by this by the fireplace, and the cinders get on her face, and that's when she starts getting called Cinderella, uh, which all you know kind of gets her upset, and she goes out onto a horse, bareback onto a horse onto the wo- into the woods, uh, and encounters a hunting party. Yeah. And and one of the hunters is the prince, which we pick up on fairly quickly, uh, and she does not, which makes me question Ella's judgment, but you know, based on the yeah, way he's he's we, dressed. We,
3: we should cover a little bit that that what actually goes on is the the hero transformation, right? Is there's two steps to the hero transformation is one they get transformed and then two they accept the transformation. Right. Right? So when she becomes Cinderella, that's the moment of transformation, but it's not until later on in the movie that she accepts the transformation. So,
0: Yeah, very true. And so she meets this, the prince uh, who says that his name is Kit and uh, that he's an apprentice, which in a way he is. He's an apprentice ruler, as he says later. Uh, but the two of them, I mean, like I thought the two of them together was what made the whole movie because if those two don't seem like they would actually fall in love then there's no point. You know what I mean? But they were and I hate to use this word because it sort of diminishes what I felt like they did, but they were so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they yeah. were adorable, you know? Like the way they looked at each other and just like the little body language movements and things like that well, that I like- they
2: I also like the way she was powerful with him because she was like, you're not going to yeah. get that, 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 that deer or whatever it was. I think
0: it was a deer. Um, yeah.
2: Because I already warned him off and he's gone. <laughs>
0: right. Well, and she said call, she makes him call off the hunt. Like, she, like And not by flirting with him and saying like, oh, maybe I'll give you a kiss if you do. Like, she's like, no, you leave him alone. And he's yep. like, okay. Uh, okay, I will. You know, I, I thought that was really great. You're right. I mean, she, just the way the two of them work together, like she's the person who sort of makes him understand what being a ruler is all about and understand what things he needs to do and what he shouldn't do uh, throughout the whole film. And I, yeah, I just thought the two of them together, Richard Madden and Lily James, I thought they played, they played that infatuation stage of love really, really smart and really well.
1: Yeah, and I have to give credit to the script for actually fleshing out the prince's character because, to be yeah. honest, I don't remember anything about the prince from the original Cinderella movie. I don't think there really is much there.
0: He doesn't even have a name. Yeah, we follow the prince. You're right. They, they follow the prince back to the castle, and so they. it's the first time that we get a POV shift, really, in this because most of this is told through Omniscient Narrator. Uh, and we see Cinderella and basically her point of view, but it is—it's it's one of the times they remind you that hey, no, this is an omniscient third-person narrator s- story because we go and see what's up with the prince at the castle, and it's that his father is is dying, um, is sick, uh, and that he needs to marry uh, in order to rule the kingdom. Uh, but he manages to convince his father. They're going to throw a ball invite all the princesses so that he has his choice, which seems incredibly awful uh, and incredibly sexist. But it is, you know, the, the Dark Ages or whatever. Uh, but he tricks his, <laughs> his, his father into inviting every maiden in the land so that he can find this girl that he just met in the woods. Yes. Which is brilliant on his part and to me shows that he's ready for ruling.
3: <laughs> <laughs> which is what his father ends up telling him at the end,
0: by the end of the movie. Yeah.
3: You know, it's, it's, you've taken all the steps to prove you're ready, so.
0: Well, not to mention he saw Ella, and he was like, okay, I get it now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, of course, this is where the the invitations for the ball go out. There's this big uh, announcement in the town square, and, you know, everybody's going out to, to the ball, and uh, everybody's going out to get a new dress. Lady Tremaine sends... Uh, this was what I thought was like the cruelest part right here was when she says to go get three dresses. Uh, and I knew exactly what she meant when she said it. And I imagine all of you guys did that. She meant one for her and two for the stepdaughters. But Ella of course thinks that she's getting her, her one. I thought that was like her cru- one of her cruelest moments in the whole movie because she doesn't just like tell her no, no, no. Like she basically mocks her very existence. <laughs>
1: Yeah, True. Um, I would say yes. I do agree. This is probably her cruelest movie moment in the entire movie because um, they do tone down the scene with the tearing of the dress later on, which yeah. I was I was anxiously awaiting because that's the most distressing scene for me from the original movie.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, when they get to that, I mean, you know, it's it's pretty much the next thing in the film is like she starts she redoes a dress of her mother's um, with some help from the mice so we should mention that they do have the animated you know animal characters are in the movie but they're not played in the way that they would be in you know in an animated film and like they are real mice and they do somewhat help her but it's not like they don't sing they don't sing they don't (laughs) talk they don't there's not a bunch of comedy bits with them and lucifer the cat Uh, i thought
3: they were real close though to making all that happen
0: (laughs) It, it felt like they wanted to, didn't it? Yeah, it felt, they really did. Yeah, it felt like Branagh was like, all right, I will put them in here and I will have the cat run into a wall if you will leave me alone. Like, that's what it felt like to me. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. I was going to say,
1: Lucifer is, has very much a smaller role in this movie than in the original animated film.
0: Well, like we said, in the original film, in the animated film, uh, you know, the movie starts probably 30 to 40 minutes into this one. And then, you know, it's padded out so much. Not that I dislike it, because we talked about it. We've, We've done that show already. But it's just padded out so much with these bits. Because that's the way Disney made movies back then, was they had the framework of a story, but then they would just hold these competitions to have gag reels in the story you know what i mean so it wasn't it wasn't about telling a tight story the way that we do these days it was all about like let's just find connective tissue to tell this story and to have you know uh gags in between uh there's not that doesn't exist in this film yeah Yeah. no, i agree it's and i'm i'm glad for it because it would have it would have you know really taken the movie down yeah for sure yeah, and I think what we end up with instead is, you know, a, like we said before, a very tight story and one that you, like for me, I feel a lot more sympathy for for Ella in the whole movie because, you know, she does, like we said, make her a, a dress from her mother's dress. It's a pink, uh, fluffy dress, and it definitely looks old-fashioned. Like, there's no two ways about it, but she looks good in it, and yeah. then, you know, Lady Tremaine, like, rips it rips it to shreds.
1: Yeah, and she's so earnest. She's so excited that she has she fixed up her mother's dress, and everyone's so mean.
0: Yeah. Which I have a feeling, like like in another version of this story, Haley Atwell comes back and just like wails on Lady Tremaine as, <laughs> as Agent Peggy Carter. No, that's that's for next year when they make Tremaine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so long as they get back, Kate Blanchett, I'm, I'm on board. I, I think I would watch an entire movie of her.
0: I would watch a movie of, of Peggy Carter versus Lady Tremaine. I think that's the next arc of Agent Carter that they should do. They,
3: do they get the samurai swords and do that flying through the air thing that they do in those those Chinese television shows? Absolutely. That, then I'm totally in. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a copyright, Disney Marvel. you got to come to us first. All right. <laughs> And, and so, of course, we know what happens. You know, the the, the dress gets ripped up, and Ella runs into the garden, uh, crying. And she, you know, this is where I thought, this is where I thought the whole "have courage and be kind" thing actually paid off because she actually lets loose that she can't, but she she at least waits until everybody's gone. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't she doesn't do it with everybody there, and she you know holds it in, and then she just lets loose with this you know almost primal frustration and stuff but yet there's this woman and she takes a second away from her own troubles to get her a drink of water. Or a drink of milk I guess it is, right? Yes, milk. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, and it of course turns out that because she does that, this is her fairy godmother and it's Hel- Helena Bonham Carter who plays the fairy godmother and does exactly what you would expect the fairy godmother to do and turning pumpkins into carriages and lizards into footmen and mice into horses and all that sort of thing. With not Uh, nearly enough screen time, though. No, that's exactly what I was going (laughs) to say. She's she's magnificent. And I do not like Helena Bottom Carter in most of her films. She was great in this. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: So so was everybody satisfied with the dress transformation? Because there's a lot of discussion about that online. You know, there's, like, people have, like, synced it against the one in the animated because it's actually supposed to be really a that's what they were going for to keep it the same, same motions and everything like
0: that. Yeah. Rachel, why don't you go first on that one?
1: I, I had no problem with that. I guess I didn't know that there was talk about this. Um, I like this. This was probably the part of the movie that like, for me, like I felt like, the little kid inside of me just coming out <laughs> yeah. and just being so delighted by everything um, from, you know, the pumpkin transformation and the dress and everything, which, by the way, I have to I have to give serious props to Lily James for making that dress look as light as, as it does, because that dress in real life has a whole lot of layers and is very, very heavy.
3: Do you want to know the way... all the statistics about it?
1: <laughs> well, of course,
3: I have all the statistics. OK. Uh, first of all, it's designed to look like a watercolor version of the animated dress intentionally, right? So they, they just decided what it would look like if it was – because back then, that was how they colored. So they wanted to bring that same concept to life, basically. Um, it consists of more than a dozen layers of fabric, like you said. So there's a lot of fabric. Um, it, it has a corset and a petticoat. And is, I'm sure people have read that there's a lot of discussion about the corset because Lily James yes. already is a svelte individual – and in fact, they had to include the corset to pad her out, not hold her in. That's how thin she actually is. Well, yeah, um, and she
1: actually was on a liquid diet apparently uh, leading up to the filming of this scene So, or these scenes.
3: There, so there were nine versions of the dress made, all of which are used at various points in the movie, okay? So it totaled more than 270 yards of fabric per dress that's a lot of fabric, okay? Um, there are 10,000 crystals per dress, all uh, provided by Swarovski, how do you pronounce that? Yeah. Which we'll get to them in, the, in a bit. Um, there, So it took 18 out, tailors, 500 hours per dress. Okay? So if you add that up, that is 81,000 hours, okay, or about 9.2 years of total... Functional work. Not that it took them nine years to make, but if you add up all those hours, that's how many hours were put into the, the all the dresses for the movie. Just for that, to depict the one dress.
0: Whew. Crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. That's Which- yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of work for dresses. Yeah. Well, which you is want to know about-
1: funny. W- I was going to say, which is funny when you look at the, like what went into the wedding dress and the fact that they only had the time and budget to make one.
3: <laughs> yeah, they did. They made one, but similarly <laughs> it took 16 people, 550 hours to make that dress. And that, but that dress is made of a few layers of silk organza, which is that sheer see-through silk. And it's, it's also hand painted.
1: Yes. Did you hear that it actually caught on fire at one point?
3: It doesn't surprise me. Cause that stuff is like, Tinder, basically. <laughs> <laughs> basically, if you light that on fire, it just like dissolves instantly, just like in an animated cartoon. <laughs> so now the, now the slippers, right? They are made of crystal, not glass. Right? There was a big to-do about that because that was the first – if you remember that first preview we saw was just one of the slippers spinning around. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, now that's made by Swarovski Jewelers, Right whoever, I, you know, they're one of the eight most famous jewelers in all the world. So there you go. Uh, they had to do six renderings of it, com- computer on a computer before Disney said, that's the shoe we want. And then they made eight pairs of them. But guess what? Not one pair of those shoes is worn in the entire film. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Lily James is wearing leather shoes that are digitally enhanced, by the renderings to to make them look to, like the crystal shoes. Yep. Yes, and just to fill out all the stats here, since I've only got a couple little bit more left, swarovski for the movie provided more than seven million crystals for the film. Okay, so in addition to what we already mentioned, there were they're all on the costumes and the tiaras that you see all throughout the film, and there are more than one hundred tiaras in the film.
0: That's a lot of tiaras.
3: Yes. That's
0: a ton of tiaras, <laughs> almost literally. Yeah,
2: woo.
0: So, uh, oh,
2: before we move too far, I want to talk about the carriage. Yes. Yes. Please do. Um, because as many people, they they move what they did is they moved a uh, carriage into Hollywood Studios, and you can actually go take pictures of the car with the carriage, and then the carriage is on display. And I really like the carriage.
1: Oh, Um, me too.
2: (laughs) I think it's... I don't think it's too gaudy. I think it's right there. It's right on the cusp. It's really bright. I love it. You know, I don't think the colors are dull at all. Because, I mean, you know, you see it in person. And you always see something on the movies and you're like... Wow, that looks so shiny. It's not going to be like that in person. It, it, it really is.
3: It, it's gold, though, and real, and real gold doesn't shine so it's okay for it to look a little dull, right? And actually that's one of the reasons why they used crystal, right? Because they needed the slippers to sparkle and glass doesn't sparkle. For folks who don't know, that's why glass slippers would never sparkle like they do in the animated movie. But, um, I, but, I, just,
2: but I, think that, I think that was a smart marketing move. Absolutely putting into the park in that, you know, like the line to take, we, we went to park with some friends who live in England and Cinderella obviously is not there yet. Um, and, and she was like, what's the line for?" my friend, my friend's mother was like, what's the line for? I'm like, Oh, that's the line to go take your picture with the coach. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she was amazed.
3: Yes. Well, we all are. I mean, it's, it is a long, it is a long time to wait for just a picture. Um, but nonetheless, it, it is awesome marketing, because let's let's go back to a movie that had terrible marketing for a second, John Carter. Uh, yes. Right? Yeah. Could you imagine how much better they could have merchandised had they, I don't know, had a, had one of those dog things in the park that people could go pet and take pictures with and walked around the park? Right, you know, the thing that changes yeah. him around, right? I mean, like, all the things that they could have done that they just didn't.
0: If they had put him on the movie poster instead of all the creatures... That yeah, would have been an have idea too. Yeah.
3: Wait, wait, is that John Carter? No, wait, is that John Carter? No, no, wait, wait, <laughs>
0: is that John Carter? If they had said that the movie took place on Mars, perhaps that would have been a good a good thing to do. But you know, we could spend all night on this subject.
3: Yes, yeah, so we can go back to the movie we we're actually discussing.
0: Yeah. So Cinderella, we were talking about the dress transformation. This was the only thing that I disliked about this part of the scene was because the CG in it was, like, the rest of the CG, like, the coach and the and the lizards and everything, I kind of expected to be a little weird. I thought that the the CG on the dress transformation, like, the dress itself looked amazing. But once, like, the transformation, I thought, was a little wonky. It looked, like, I don't want to use the word cheap, because I know it wasn't cheap. But you know what I mean? Like, it just looked different than the rest of the, the transformations for me.
3: Yeah, I guess. I can, I can but- see that. But like I said, they were trying that one transformation. They were trying to make look like it did in the animated movie, right? So, yeah,
1: yes. And I was gonna say, Ryan, I will send you clips from the uh, Broadway Cinderella, and you can be impressed with the transformations that they did using just a couple of pins.
0: Which would be amazing. I can't. Yes. I can't even imagine that has to be. That has to be really tricky to pull off. But but yeah, yes. yeah. There's
3: great. there's some uh, on one of the articles I read. There's a girl who was at a. Uh, cosplay event, she was, she made a costume where she could just spin around and transform herself. It was designed to play into the spinning, so that it would, that helped it switch.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So, I think we know what happens from here, right? She goes to the ball, and they're they're about to have the first dance with the prince when she walks in. That was a new little detail. And so she walks in and steals the scene, because she's the last person in, and uh, walks in in this stunning blue dress. And, you know, again, like, the two of them laying eyes on each other and the way they dance together and then they sneak off together. Uh, the dance is ad
3: libbed, by the way, by the two of them, and they kept it in the movie.
0: Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. And it just goes to what I'm saying. Like, they they played together so well, you know. Yeah. And, like, to the point that I actually looked up on the Internet after we left the movie, like, are they dating? or Or, you know, like... <laughs> They're not, by the way. Not best yeah. I can tell.
1: Apparently, <laughs> Kate Blanchett had a little bit of trouble staying in character during this scene, because she said everyone was getting teary-eyed watching the both of them, like, do this. And she's like, no, wait, no, I'm not supposed to be teary-eyed. I'm supposed to be, you know, calculating and looking angry.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, is like, even watching it, you're going, like, I know this shouldn't affect me. You know what I mean? Like, like I knew I knew this was going to happen. i seen this story a few times before, but it's like it's breathtaking, right? When she walks in and, and, and walks over to him, it's like that's that's everything that you want from a fairy tale is that moment. And and that's the moment you have to pull off. And it's the probably, I would say, for this story, the hardest thing to pull off because everybody knows it's going to happen. They know what the story is. They know how it's going to end. So, th- But that moment has to carry so much weight for this story to work. And I thought... I mean, they, they pulled it off flawlessly.
1: Yeah. This scene was another one that really harkened back to old Hollywood, though, with the number of extras that they had in that sequence and just the costumes and the look of everyone. It did, like, again, it reminded me of something like uh, Gone with the Wind or another more modern movie that I saw recently that had just a ton of extras in it, which was Atonement, um, which... I mean, just the power of seeing that many people on screen at once um, and in that sequence, but then, like, closing in on these two people and their relationship in the midst of all of this. It was, it just works really well.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, And, of course, you know, the clock strikes uh, midnight, and she has to flee. The, so we we haven't talked too much about Stellan Skarsgård character, who's the Grand Duke, but he's the one who's actively working against all of this, because he wants it. He's already promised the prince to somebody else, and Lady Tremaine overhears that uh, while they're at the ball. So he's already promised the prince to another kingdom to try and strengthen alliances or some mess like that. Like It's not that important, and they treat it with the importance that they give, because we all know, as viewers, what's going to happen. You know what I mean? So I, I, I thought that was really smart, right? Like they didn't try to play this up as anything more than it it was, which is a distraction. It's just this is the reason why this guy's against this. Alright, you got it, move on. Fair. And, and so she gets away, and, you know, she – what I loved, too, was when she gets back and she puts the, the glass slipper that she still has away, she puts away um, basically everything that she has from that night, and she just decides to keep it as a treasured memory, right? Like, she doesn't expect anything to come of it, but it, it strengthens her resolve to live in that house, which she had lost, Right. She had lost that resolve when the fairy godmother shows up and then she gets it back because of of that moment. Like she's like, I'm always going to have this and you can't take that away from me. Like that's kind of the, the statement she's making when she's putting that stuff under the floorboard.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah.
3: And she really doesn't think about the shoe that she lost or anything like that.
0: No, not at all. And of course, we know that, that Kit does. Uh, he he decides that he's going to have to take they decide they're going to have to take the shoe out to everybody and it's the grand duke who decides that um that he he will do this uh yes. and and go out to the countryside yeah because yeah, just, he plots with lady tremaine that's one thing we didn't right you're right mentioned
1: yep. yep and um the important thing to note about this is this was something that always bothered me about the animated movie and almost every retelling of this story which is the notion that he has to find the the girl who her foot fits the slipper because apparently he can't recognize her otherwise. Um, that the reason why that the, they're going out and doing this and why it's suggested by the duke is because he wants to do a big grand gesture to basically so that the prince cannot complain after they don't find this right. girl. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because the whole thing is, you know, like we said, Lady Tremaine knows, and they know, and so he says, you know, if you'll find, if she she's trying to secure her a place for her family, right? Like she wants uh, him to give her a place at at court, and in ex- make and her a countess. Marry accountess. off the two daughters. Yeah, and marry off the two daughters, right? I, I do
3: like how he says. um, the, the Duke, when he's planning to do it, he goes. He goes. Would you have me go through the whole countryside to find her? And he goes, "Good plan, <laughs> basically." Right. <laughs> Great idea. Do that. <laughs> yeah, I did want to go back to the ballroom scene just for a second because that's probably the uh, the prettiest. Not just the dancing, but just if you go around the room, the colors are all, of all the dresses, except for the Tremaines are all very primary colors, very you know single color outfits, you know some people are saying they're designed like to look like the princess outfits, but what I think it's a trick of your eyes by the way, in your memory because what you're really seeing is the stock Disney palette colors throughout
0: yeah the the blue
3: royal yeah. blue. Yeah. yeah and that and that's why you have the blue and the gold and the white and the red and the, all the colors that you see on all the princess dresses just one after another but if you go that that one shot that sweeps around the whole ballroom and captures everybody it's just that's probably one of the most amazing shots in the
0: entire thing yeah i I completely agree completely agree i
1: also, I also wanted to point out did anyone notice that the it seems as though the casting of the extras was very intentional in this. They they definitely wanted to show that the kingdom was very diverse, especially racially. I don't know if this stood out to anyone else, but it definitely did yes. to me.
0: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean because they they had um, uh, and I, I, I gosh, I forget the actor's name. Uh, I don't actually know his name, but um, he's a character actor that you've seen many, many times. He's an African American gentleman uh, who's the captain of the guard, and he's he's really he's good. He's actually
2: also, also from Game of Thrones. Yeah, Nanso yeah. Anansi, I think is. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was on Game of Thrones, and he's been in, he's been in other movies and things. You'll know him like when if you haven't seen the movie already, you will know him when you see him. Yeah. Uh, but he, I thought he's really good as the captain of the guard, and like the various and sundry princesses are very. It, it, there's a lot of diversity there too, so that's a good point, Rachel.
2: You know what character actor he reminded me of, which is very funny. There's a character actor um, that does the movie Dave, and that protects Dave when he runs for president. Um, yeah, and he reminded <laughs> me a lot. I know it's not the same guy. He reminded me a lot of him. Yeah. Of course,
0: it's also because I love the movie, Dave. But this <laughs> <laughs> its a great movie. It is. It's a good movie. And so, yeah, we know how this turns out. Um, but the fun twist in this is that we get a confrontation between Lady Tremaine and Cinderella before you know the guards show up to to fit her with the slipper. In that she finds the glass slipper that she hid and smashes it. And you know, basically, Cinderella finally lets loose on her and it's great it's a great scene between the two of them i thought uh acting wise because kate blanchett is showing her vulnerability even though she's the evil one like she's like basically her whole thing is like you you can't be this good and get what you have this happiness that's not what she says but that's the subtext of the scene is like you can't be this good and be this happy and so therefore i have to take this away from you Hmm. at least that's what I took away from it it doesn't sound like what you guys took away
3: yeah it's it's unclear because her room doesn't look ransacked and that was under floorboards that was underneath the chest I mean like how she even found that stuff I I didn't understand like it was very like she must have already known where to look
0: Uh, yeah I I don't know
2: the mice gave it away
0: the mice gave (laughs) it away (laughs) curse the mice (laughs) that definitely could be uh and yeah that's when she makes the deal with the with the grand duke but you know eventually uh the grand duke and the guards come and they they try to fit on the stepsisters it doesn't work but cinderella is sitting in the attic locked in the attic and she sings the song lavender's blue which you might have heard from other disney films Mm -hmm. and they hear her singing and of course try on the shoe uh it and the Grand Duke's trying to leave, but it turns out that Prince Kit is there in disguise and insists on trying on the shoe. And, of course, it fits, and it's Ella, and they get married, and... But if
3: the shoe fits. You, must,
0: you must acquit? No. <laughs> uh, the shoe fits, and they get married, and they behead Lady Tremaine on the palace steps. No, that's not what...
3: Though <laughs> <laughs> we wonder why, but...
2: <laughs> I do have a question here. Yes. Why, if she kept all the letters from her father and her mother, did she not bring them with her? Because you see them, like, left on the floor. She's gone. She's out the door. And this is left on the floor.
3: I, I don't think at that point that. they were getting rid of them. I mean, like,
0: like I if know. they want to get she anything from the
2: fire. The... That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Good question,
2: I think it was a dropped point. And I wish they hadn't dropped that is my thing
0: that's fair, definitely fair, but yes, of course, they get married and you know she wears that magnificent wedding dress that Rachel has on her shopping list.
1: yes, yes, which was literally hand painted, <laughs> and as as I mentioned before it it had um, caught on fire while they were taking some. Uh, promotional pictures for it apparently and the first concern was not whether Lily was okay but whether the dress was okay
0: well because they only had one right Isn't that yes. what we said? Yeah.
1: yeah they they only had the budget and the time to make one dress um, and it is gorgeous it's beautiful fortunately it sounds like it was just the, uh, the top layer of the dress was damaged but the rest of it was fine
0: oh. yeah Yeah, that's uh, that's the end of the movie. Is they get married, and as Helena Bonham Carter, as it turns out as the narrator, says that uh, she she they lived happily ever after and ruled with courage and kindness. Yes. Even
3: to mean step
0: siblings.
1: Oh, and importantly, also, she forgives Lady Tremaine before she leaves.
3: Yes, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah, very good point. Well, come on, she was Winna.
0: I mean, you know, she did win. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That, that is valid.
1: Would you, would you have rather her turned around and just said, don't hate the player, hate the game? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that, that would have been pretty awesome. <laughs> that would have been pretty awesome.
1: All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to add
0: to, uh, to Cinderella? Um, no, I'm good. No. Right. I
1: think that right. pretty well covers it, yeah. Yeah,
0: okay. So uh let's let's rate this then. Uh let's start with Frozen Fever. So let's let's get a frozen fever rating and then a uh, a Cinderella rating. Uh how about how about Todd? Why don't you lead it off?
3: Oh uh, no, for Frozen, no. Frozen Fever, um, I liked it a lot. I did not like it as much as the original movie. I did feel the song kind of was a little long at points and kind of like there are points that I really liked of the song and then it kind of grated on me at other points. So for me that that short I would just give it a 3 as far as shorts go. Okay. All right. Um for for the Cinderella movie I'm also going to give it a 3. I liked a lot of things about it and it could have just done better, but I just like Lily James took me out of the movie throughout. I I get what they were trying to do with her. I just felt that she did not have that spark that the animated
0: Cinderella has. And I felt that that was a loss. All right. So three, three across the board then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cheryl, what about you? I'm going to
2: disagree here. I'm going to go with four for frozen fever and going again with four for Cinderella. Um, for the fever four because it dawned five because you know it didn't really touch on like the wedding and they didn't mention anything about them getting married or anything, which I thought was weird. <laughs> it was a you know, it they they, they kind of Kristoff and and Sven were there but they were kind of in the back part, mm-hmm. the back plot because they were home, not the front plot because it was um Elsa and Anna. And then, um, for Cinderella 4, I really, I really did, I didn't mind Lee James. I didn't have as much problem with this as my husband did. Um, I did, and I did like it a lot. I really feel, though, that they really didn't use Helena Bon Connor as much as they should have. Um, I really would have liked to seen, you know, the fairy godmother be a little bit longer. You know, maybe something extra in there. I don't know. And maybe they will be on the d v d who knows,
0: yeah, could be um,
2: but uh, I really just thought that that was missing for me, and like I said, the little few things that were dropped, like the not not seeing the wedding and like for the for the father and seeing the leftover notes and them must being discarded when she was treasuring them as much as she treasured the slipper, so all
0: right, so we've got two, threes, two, fours. Rachel, what about you?
1: Okay, for Frozen Fever, I'm going to give it three and one quarter star. Um, I wasn't an enormous fan of the song. The song was fine. Um, it exceeded my expectations. Like as far as I, I didn't know exactly what to expect going into it, and I really liked it. Um, and actually, I'm I'm okay with the fact that they haven't really defined what's going on with with Anna and Kristoff. Uh, I They haven't specified whether they're married yet. They're not, they don't seem to be really in a rush to push her to the altar. Um, And that she, they might be dating. They might just be friends. And I'm actually really happy with that. I'm happy that the short did not revolve around them getting married the way that obviously they did with Tangled, which is fine. That's tangled. Then that's tangled's thing. But I'm glad that they didn't do the same thing for Frozen. Uh, so three and a quarter star for that one. Uh, for Cinderella, I'm gonna go with Cheryl. I'm giving this four stars. I really enjoyed Cinderella quite a bit. Um, as far as Lily James's performance, it's not one that I'm going to like. I liked her quite a bit, um, but it's not one that I'm gonna like. You know, defend to the with my last breath or whatever but everything else in the movie was just so excellently executed um and bran just brought this epicness and this richness to the story that i adored and the cast is all like the supporting cast especially are all excellent and Kate blanchett i will watch her do anything but especially lady tremaine she transcended in this role she it's i I had a really tough time imagining who could bring Lady Tremaine to life. Um, clearly, it's Kate Blanchett, so four stars for me
0: yeah i'm uh, I'm gonna be right in there with with Cheryl on this i I liked Frozen Fever quite a bit uh, and I would give it a four i I did enjoy the song uh i I will admit to Kristen Bell Bias in that I pretty much love almost everything she does. Uh, and that includes Frozen. That includes the picture that she tweeted once Frozen Two was announced. Uh, it includes pretty much everything. I think she's great, and I love the I love the whole thing. And I think uh, I really like the short in that. Like I said, it it really was a throwback to me to the old Disney cartoons. So I would give Frozen Fever a four. And then Cinderella, I I loved it. I really thought it was great. Uh, I continue to say like it's a movie that didn't have to be made. But if the studio was going to make the movie, this was the way to make it. And it was, you know, they just told the story. They updated it a little bit, but kept it timeless and just, you know, kept kept moving forward with it. And I thought that was uh, that's a tough thing to do. You know, I mean, like this is not an easy thing to do. And I think Kenneth Branagh pulled it off in a way that i didn't know that he could do um it 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 all kind of clicked for me rachel when you were when you said that about about him retelling the shakespeare stories and i'm like i don't know why i don't know why i didn't think of it but but that was that was spot on um so yeah i would i would give it a four so uh so pretty high marks all around right for you know fours for cinderella and you know a little average above three for for frozen fever um yeah So, if you haven't seen it, I think we'd all recommend going and and checking out both uh, Cinderella and Frozen Fever. I imagine by the time you're listening to this, are still going to be in theaters. So go and check that out if you have not seen it. In fact, I think they've uh, remastered it for IMAX. If you haven't seen, if you want to go and check that out, Um, I actually might do that. that. Yeah, I might do that uh, because it looks uh, as gorgeous as this movie is. That would look really great in IMAX. So,
1: yeah, especially that dress, that dress in (laughs) IMAX.
0: (laughs) <laughs> All right, so that is our review of Frozen Fever and Cinderella. If you guys agree with us or disagree with us, let us know. Go over to the show notes at uh, DisneyFilmProject.com and leave a note there. You can do it at uh, Disney Film Project on Facebook. You can do that on Twitter at disfilmproject, or always email us DisneyFilmProject at gmail.com. I believe that is it for this week's episode. So for Todd and Cheryl and Rachel, I'm Ryan, and we'll see you again soon.
2: I can't drive,
1: I'm a goose.
0: Have courage and be kind.
1: I'm your hairy dog father. Oh, I mean your fairy godmother.
0: What on earth have you been doing? Dreaming, that's all.